chapter 6.2, Fight or Flight. The trackers were long in coming, as though they had trouble with the trail Kino had left. It was dusk when they came at last to the little pool, and all three were on foot now, for a horse could not climb the last steep slope. The two trackers scurried about on the little beach, and they saw Kino's progress up the cliff before they drank. The man with the rifle sat down and rested himself, and the trackers squatted near him, and in the evening the points of their cigarettes glowed and receded. Then darkness fell, deep and black in the mountain cleft. He heard a murmur behind him. Juana was whispering, Captito. She was begging him to be quiet. Kino heard the baby whimper, and he knew from the muffled sounds that Juana had covered his head with her shawl. Down on the beach, a match flared, and in its momentary light, Kino saw that two of the men were sleeping, curled up like dogs, while the third watched. He saw the glint of the rifle in the matchlight, and then the match died, but it left a picture on Kino's eyes. He could see it how each man was, two sleeping curled up, and the third squatting in the sand with the rifle between his knees. Kino moved silently back into the cave. On his eyes were two sparks reflecting a low star. Kino crawled quietly close to her and put his lips near to her cheek. There's a way, he said, but they will kill you. If I get first to the one with the rifle, Kino said, I must get to him first, then I will be all right. To her sleeping. Her hand crept out from under her shawl and gripped his arm. You'll see your white clothes in the starlight. No, he said, and I must go before the moon rise. He searched for a soft word and then gave it up. If they kill me, he said, lie quiet. And when they are gone, go to Loreto. Her hand shook a little, holding his wrist. There is no choice, he said. It is the only way. They will find us in the morning. Her voice trembled a little. Go with God, she said. He peered closely at her, and he could see her large eyes. His hand fumbled out and found the baby. And for a moment, his palm lay on Coyotito's head. And then Kino raised his hand and touched Juana's cheek, and she held her breath. Against the sky in the cave entrance, Juana could see that Kino was taking off his white clothes. For dirty and ragged though they were, they would show up against the dark night. His own brown skin was a better protection for him she saw how he looked, his amulet neck string about the horn handle of his great knife, so that it hung down in front of him and left both hands free. He did not come back to her. For a moment his body was black in the cave entrance, crouched and silent, and then he was gone. Juana moved to the entrance and looked out. She peered like an owl from the hole in the mountain. The baby slept under the blanket on her back, his face turned sideways against her neck and shoulder. She could feel his warm breath against her skin, and Juana whispered her combination of prayer and magic, her Hail Marys, and her ancient intercession against the black, unhuman things. The night seemed a little less dark when she looked out, and to the east, there was a lightning in the sky, down near the horizon where the moon would show, and looking down, she could see the cigarette of the man on watch. Kino edged like a slow lizard down the smooth rock shoulder. He had turned his neck string so that the great knife hung down from his back and could not clash against the stone. His spread fingers gripped the mountain, and his bare toes found support through contact, and even his chest lay against the stone so that he would not slip. For any sound, a rolling pebble or a sigh, a little slip of flesh on rock would rouse the watchers below. 
Any sound that was not germane to the night would make them alert, but the night was not silent. The little tree frogs that lived near the stream twittered like birds, and the high metallic ringing of the cicadas filled the mountain cleft, and Kino's own music was in his head, the music of the enemy, low and pulsing, nearly asleep. But the song of the family had become as fierce and sharp and feline as the snarl of a female puma. The family song was alive now, driving him down on the dark enemy. The harsh cicada seemed to take up its melody, and the twittering tree frogs called little phrases of it, and Kino crept silently as a shadow down the smooth mountain face. One bare foot moved a few inches, and the toes touched the stone and gripped the other foot a few inches, and then the palm of one hand a little downwards, and then the other hand, until the whole body, without seeming to move, had moved. Kino's mouth was open so that even his breath would make no sound, for he knew that he was not invisible. If the watcher, sensed in movement, looked at the dark place against the stone, which was his body, he could see him. Kino must move so slowly he would not draw the watcher's eyes. It took him a long time to reach the bottom and to crouch behind a little dwarf palm. His heart thundered in his chest and his hands and face were wet with sweat. He crouched and took great, slow, long breaths to calm himself. Thank you.